On this episode of Locked on Grizzlies, I have been trying to trade John Conshar for a while now. I'm going to explain to you, dear listener, dear viewer, why that is the case, why it's time for the Memphis Grizzlies to move on from John Conshar and why his deal should be relatively friendly to move in any given trade. We'll also talk about other contracts that could potentially be tradable as the season progresses. We'll finish out our episode talking Santi and Steve-O hanging out together overseas. That's next here on Locked On Grizzlies. Let's dive and lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, yes, yes. It is a beautiful Tuesday here on Locked on Grizzlies. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, however you're taking in the show on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, all those wonderful things. It is I, your host, once again, for this episode of Locked on Grizzlies, this Tuesday edition of the podcast show, Monax. So grateful to everyone who makes us a part of their NBA and Memphis Grizzlies content experience each and every day, wherever you get your shows, wherever you check us out. YouTube, podcast, link, Apple, Spotify, whatever it might be. Uh, so grateful that you are with us. Again, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're as proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. And of course, here in this neck of the internet woods, we are talking basketball with the Memphis Grizzlies. And we're also talking basketball with the Grizzlies in terms of John Conchar. Right, And I'm sad that the Michael Cole, my wonderful co-host of Lockdown Grizzlies, is not able to be with me on this episode because I'm sure that he would egg me on. As you, If you're an everydayer, like I know a lot of you are, you would be saying, oh, Joe, DeMichael's going to get you on this one. He's going to get you fired up. He's going to get you all angry about Johnny K. And while the Magic Conch has fallen out of favor with me, there are certainly still people in Memphis, around Memphis, folks that support the Memphis Grizzlies, that are John Conchar fans, and I get it, right? He has strong advanced numbers. When he was a starter this past season, he had some success. And there are also things that John Conchar did as a rebounder. When he did shoot the basketball, sometimes it went in at a pretty decent clip. So there are reasons to be optimistic about John Conchar if you choose to be. I have moved on from that. I am ready at this stage, even more than the supposed dislike of Kenneth Lofton Jr. that folks say I have, which isn't true, I would be willing to move on from John Conchar for relatively little. I think I've said on recent episodes of the show, 2026 second round pick, something like that, and I'd be golden. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Joe, if you dislike John Conchar so much, why would somebody else want him on their roster? Well, that's going to be part of our focus on today's show. Obviously, we're going to talk about other movable contracts in possible dealings, if Damian Lillard stuff goes awry and they need a third team with the Miami Heat, James Harden in Philly with the Los Angeles Clippers, there's ways for Memphis to get involved. And we'll talk more about that later. A smaller scale version of that would be the Conchar contract. And why would someone want John Conchar? Well, as I've said here, and DeMichael always gives me a hard time for saying it in the way that I do, John Conchar is essentially like rice. Like if you've ever had a really good rice dish, you know, whatever the Asian persuasion, whatever it might be, 
Uh, you know, Indian food has tremendous rice. There's lots of good food from that area of the country that are of the world, excuse me, that is rice based. And rice is a very malleable dish, right? It can take on all sorts of spices, all sorts of different things. John Conchar has a malleable game and he's able to work well with a variety of different styles of play. And he excels in places as a wing that you want to see a guy with his athletic limitations excel. One of the better rebounding wings in the NBA. That's not hyperbole. That is true. Cleaning the glass shows that he is a tremendous rebounder of the basketball. That is a strength of his game. Has been for some time, but he really took off over the last couple of seasons in particular. Uh, Defensive rebounding percentage of 13.9%. Offensive rebound percentage of 4.1%. And those are low compared to what he did the season prior. So throughout his career, he has been a strong rebounding wing, a solid team defender. He was in the 81st percentile and block percentage, 89th percentile, and steal percentage this past year. He is the new version of Grayson Allen, what Grayson Allen was for Memphis Grizzlies head coach Taylor Jenkins. Jenkins knows and understands that Conchar can go and execute what he needs done. Conchar will not deviate from the plan. Conchar physically on offense can't necessarily do it all that often. He is not a guy that is going to create off the dribble. He's a catch-and-shoot guy if he chooses to shoot at all, and those shots are few and far between. As I have talked about here on Lockdown Grizzlies very often, his usage rate is abysmal. He was in the fourth percentile in terms of usage this past season. That is not good enough, okay, in terms of being someone that can be depended on to shoot the basketball. And he also didn't score the ball or pass the ball as well as he has in past seasons. 31st percentile in points per shot attempt, 22nd percentile in assist percentage. Again, that is all per cleaning the glass. So why would someone trade for John Conchar? Here's why. All right. Conchar is a guy who is under contract for the next four seasons with the Memphis Grizzlies. Not necessarily the Grizzlies in particular, if he gets traded, obviously, but he has a $2.4 million part of his contract that is occurring this coming season, which is relatively small. Josh Christopher, for comparison's sake, is scheduled to make more money this season than John Conchar. Same with David Roddy. Same with Derek Rose, Jake Arabia. The list goes on and on. Excuse me. As you look at the next leap up in terms of money, a three-year extension that Conchar signed last year for roughly $18.3 or $4 million, that goes into effect Sounds like a lot of money for John Conchar, but you have to keep in mind that with the new CBA, new television deal coming up in the next year or two, Conchar's money at $6.165 million is going to be close to what the next veteran minimum is going to be under the next CBA television negotiation, all the things. Obviously, the new CBA went into effect earlier this month, but with a new TV deal coming, more money being put into the system. That sounds like a lot of money for John Conchar, but it's a flat amount over the next three years. And again, Conchar has done enough to prove that he is an NBA player. Maybe he shouldn't be in Memphis anymore. And that would be an argument I would make because, again, I want my wings that are going to shoot the ball. But he is someone who has shown the capacity to play. And he's someone who, when you have to break the glass in case of emergency because your team is injured, your team is struggling, You need a steady hand. John Conchar can be that steady hand. He is the definition of a high floor, low ceiling kind of play. 
You know what you're going to get out of Conchar. He is going to contribute, but there is going to be limitations to that contribution. And he is not the youngest player in the NBA. That's important to understand. He's already 27 years old. So as a 27-year-old wing, he is someone who is <laughs> one of the oldest guys on the roster, even though it doesn't necessarily feel like he should be. So Conchar is someone looking at his non-guaranteed money that is, you know, he's going to be on the roster almost certainly. But the $6.2 million over the next several seasons, roughly, give or take, that is a lower amount salary-wise, someone on the end of your bench that can come in, be a starter, maybe a place like Detroit, maybe a place like with the Pacers. He can be a contributor, and he can be someone who, in tough times, can help you negotiate those waters and have a malleable piece that can fit with a variety of different basketball styles. So that is why I believe John Conchar is a tradable asset. He is someone that can still be moved for something. And again, what's the definition of something? 2026 second round pick might be a loose definition of that term. But I want to stress, Conchar was an undrafted rookie, right? This is someone who whatever return you get back on a trade would be pretty significant considering what he started out as in the NBA. So I believe that he deserves all the credit in the world for that how he's grown as a player, how he physically has developed and made himself that piece that can mix and mold and match with just about anybody. That is not easy to do. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that Memphis doesn't need more. And I would say David Roddy, I would say Jake LaRavia, I would say Zaire Williams. I would rather see what any of those guys can do. I'll go one more and say Gigi Jackson. I'd rather see any of those guys on the two-way deal. Vince Williams. I want to see what they can do. I know what John Conchar is, and I think that it's time to move on from that. And that could create a roster spot for someone to move up and into. So that'll be interesting to watch play out. If it does indeed does play out, can Conchar a favorite of Taylor Jenkins? It's very likely the Magic Conch is still in Memphis. But I would be comfortable with moving along from him. And I think he does enough that some team in the NBA would value him, especially if they have a plethora of future second-round picks. We'll talk about other potential Grizzlies who could be moved because of the structure of their contracts next here on Locked On Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you could spend betting on everything from the money line to over-unders to who you think is going to get the first home run. That's all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. We're talking other Grizzlies who could theoretically be on the move in a potential trade next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am one of your hosts, Joe Monax, flying solo on this Tuesday edition of the podcast. To Michael Cole, my wonderful partner, should be back with us later on in the week, still enjoying a well-deserved vacation. We are talking movable deals for the Memphis Grizzlies. We talked about John Conchar first part of the program here on this Tuesday edition of the show. Now we're going to talk about other guys. Again, I want to stress, I'm not saying I would necessarily trade these players. All right. 
I'm talking about when you hear the Memphis Grizzlies as a possible third team in several rumors or speculation that might be happening on an article online, on the internet, on Twitter or X or whatever the heck it's called now. This is why, because they have numerous deals that have interesting structures to them, or they are relatively, relatively bargains, comparatively speaking. The first one I'm going to start with is a guy that I don't necessarily want to see get traded because he is elite at something that the Memphis Grizzlies need someone to be elite at, and that's three-point shooting, and that's Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard, under contract for this coming season, about $14.8 million, a little less than that, according to Hoops Hype. Kennard is a guy that, again, you need people that can provide spacing for John Morant and others to work with and get to the basket. Kennard does that at an elite level. We've seen him, as I talked about on yesterday's show, with the dynamic duos opportunities with Steven Adams. Kennard has the potential to be that for Memphis. And I think it's fair to say that Kennard is another one of those guys, like Tony Allen before him and others. Kennard probably has more value to the Grizzlies than he does anywhere else at this stage. Because you got to recall that the Clippers basically gave Kennard up for nothing, right? Danny Green and a couple of second-round picks. Not much to get Luke Kennard in Memphis, and we saw what he did for the Grizzlies' half-court offense. Their major Achilles heel, even now, is half-court offense. Kennard helps that tremendously. So why am I bringing up Kennard as a possible trade piece? Well, his 2024-2025 contract is a team option. That means the money is not fully guaranteed, which means if there's a team trying to avoid the tax apron, if there's a team trying to free up money to get out of the luxury tax one way or another, they could use Kennard's deal to do that. That financial flexibility could be attractive to someone. Maybe they're willing to pay a first-round pick to avoid that apron. We have no idea how the CBA is going to directly, the new CBA, is going to impact the business dealings of a variety of teams. We've already seen the Atlanta Hawks basically deal John Collins in what amounted to a cap dump, right? A salary cap dump. Collins is a good young player in the National Basketball Association, and yet the return on that was not that great. Same thing with Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. Chris Paul could theoretically be a good fit in Golden State. Jordan Poole will be a better fit with Washington, you'd imagine. He'll be allowed to grow and develop and score at his own will. But Chris Paul's deal is expiring well before Jordan Poole's. The money made more sense for the Warriors in that way. So anybody looking to shore up their salary sheet could potentially be interested in a Luke Kennard. They might be able to pay or willing to pay in some sort of asset for that deal or in such a deal. Again, I wouldn't do that. We're just talking deals that make sense for trades in that way. Another one would be Steven Adams. Again, I don't need my wonderful listeners, our wonderful listeners in New Zealand yelling at me. I don't want to trade Steven Adams. I just spent a large portion of the first part of the show talking about how much I love Steven Adams. So I want Steve-O around. But there's no denying that his $12.6 million on the books this season and then $12.6 million on the books the season after, that is a decent deal for a big, the quality of Steven Adams. And if he is healthy and if things go sideways, where is Memphis most deep right now? In the front court. If you want to keep Xavier Tillman around, you want to keep Brandon Clark around, who I'm, spoiler alert, going to talk about here momentarily, you don't need all these guys under long-term deals that are big. Sharon Jackson Jr. is obviously going to be in that mix. If you keep Xavier Tillman around, how is all of this going to fit? You have Kenneth Lofton Jr. looming potentially. There's lots of questions to be had there, and I think it's fair to ask those questions. So Stephen Adams could potentially be someone, if they're looking at the trade deadline for a big 
that can rebound, set screens, help with winning basketball without having to score the basketball, Stephen Adams could be an option. And again, that 12.6 mil comes off the books in 2025, and it is a cleaner number as the salary cap continues to increase. Looks like a decent amount of money for a big that doesn't score a lot. But again, guys that are elite. We talked about Kennard being elite as a three-point shooter. Adams is elite, setting screens, being big, getting offensive rebounds. And oh, by the way, if you struggle in the half court offensively, you know what helps you in the front off front court offensively or half court, excuse me, setting screens, offensive rebounds. So you can make an argument that Kennard and Adams are two of the most vital pieces to Memphis trying to solve that problem heading into the 2023-2024 season. That is half court offense. Why would you trade them? Because of the functionality of those deals. I don't think a trade happens with either of those guys. But if the season goes sideways for some reason and Memphis becomes sellers as the calendar turns to 2024, I've seen crazier things happen. Another contract I mentioned a moment ago, Brandon Clark. This is a guy who's not going to be on the court for the foreseeable future. Hopefully around the start of 2024, we start seeing him being in the mix to be back on the court as part of the Memphis Grizzlies. He just signed an extension that's four years, $12.5 million, So he's making a little bit less than Steven Adams this coming year or the next coming couple coming years. But he's under contract with Memphis through 2027. There's only two guys on the Memphis Grizzlies under contract longer than that. And that uh, are those are John Morant and Desmond Bain. The deal for Jaron Jackson Jr. will come up before the deal for Brandon Clark does. Clark coming off of an Achilles injury. This is a name that you would probably have to give up an asset to potentially move off of that money. But again, somebody would take a swing on Brandon Clark, one of the most athletic bigs, dynamic as a role big, finishing at the rim, can switch defensively. If we are to believe, to Michael Cole and medicine in general, that an Achilles injury is not the uh, Achilles heel, pardon the pun, is not the death knell to an athlete's career as it has been in the past, he should be back. But as I've mentioned here, I have concerns because so much of Brandon Clark's game is dedicated and dictated to being that elusive and explosive athlete that has remarkable re-leapability. He can get off the ground very quickly, a second jump, right after the first. That's a lot harder to do on a repaired Achilles. So I don't think it's that outlandish to say that moving on from Brandon Clark could be a possibility. Now, two of those guys are front court players. You're probably not moving on from both Adams and Clark. Maybe say you pair Kennard, Clark, and a couple of first round picks. Now you've got cap flexibility for somebody, $26 million across those two players. You might be able to make some sort of move for somebody in that type of situation. Would Memphis do such a thing? Probably not. Again, I think the roster is set. I think they like who they have. They appreciate Clark. They wouldn't have extended him the way they did if they didn't. Obviously, Adams also got an extension from the Grizzlies. Kennard, he just makes so much sense in terms of helping to address the problems that the Grizzlies do possess. So why would you move on from any of them? They probably don't. The purpose of this exercise was, again, $12 million to $14 million. Those are very tradable contracts. You can match them together nicely to bring in a much larger deal if you so choose. And the Grizzlies have the capacity to be able to mix and mingle and potentially get involved in all sorts of different types of trades, whether it's two teams, three teams, some larger deal. The Grizzlies still have that capacity. They have all their future first-round picks, except even with the Marcus Smart trade, the first-round pick they traded in 2024 was the Warriors first. So 
the Grizzlies can still pretty much trade every first round pick they have if they want to. Doesn't mean they will. I would be surprised if they did. But if something falls into their lap, they have the possibility to do it. And those are all different types of money contracts that can make a trade a lot more easy than perhaps it would be for another team who has a little different structure to their salary cap books. When we come back here on Lockdown Grizzlies, we are going to finish up this episode talking about another dynamic duo that I didn't mention yesterday, but seeing them hanging out together in Spain inspires me. What can Santi and Stevo do together? We'll talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. I am your host, Joe Monax. Once again, flying solo to Michael Cole, my wonderful co-host of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, getting a much-deserved vacation and break. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are, however you get your podcasts on YouTube on this Tuesday edition of the show. We've been talking contracts, money, moving on from guys. That's a little too heavy, right? Let's end on a lighter note here on Lockdown Grizzlies. And I was inspired over the weekend when I got tagged in a tweet that showed Santi Aldama and Steven Adams hanging out together in Spain, working as a duo in theory, working out, getting ready for the season. Santi Aldama, of course, playing in FIBA, getting ready to represent Spain. Uh, wonderful, wonderful honor for him as a young player. And we have to keep in mind, Spain is one of the top contenders to the United States in international basketball. So Santi versus Jaron could be coming soon. And I'm sure DeMichael and I, We'll talk about that on future episodes of Lockdown Grizzlies. But I wanted to bring up the fact that they're hanging out. They seem to get along. Those two together could make a lot of sense and could help Santi Aldama tremendously. One of the biggest issues that people in our YouTube comments that all sorts of folks when talking about Santi Aldama, his defensive struggles, and he is bad defensively. No disputing that. The reason that you continue to work Santi Aldama and you don't excuse the sins of Kenneth Lofton Jr., For me, it's strictly physical. Santi Aldama is six foot eleven. Santi Aldama has the physical tools that he could potentially be a rim protector, a better defender at and around the bucket. Kenneth Lofton Jr. simply doesn't have that height. He doesn't have that length. He doesn't have that capacity. When compared to Santi Aldama, they might both be bad now. But like we talked about with John Conchar, the higher ceiling is Santi Aldama. The higher floor might be Kenneth Lofton Jr. But with potential in mind, Aldama has a higher ceiling. Aldama needs help defensively, though. He had some success alongside Jaron Jackson Jr., the idea of him defending on the wing. I don't know that he has that lateral quickness. He has to become a better rim protector, and he has to become more physical. The Los Angeles Lakers dominated Aldama in that way. The physicality of the game was too much for Santi in the playoffs, the postseason. And that would have been a time Brandon Clark would have been nice to have, but of course he was injured. Steven Adams also would have been nice to have. Missing out on those two guys, Santi was asked to be more than he was probably able to be defensively, and the Lakers took advantage of it. Kudos to them, tip of the cap. Hanging out with Steven Adams maybe gives a bit of an edge to Santi Aldama, but more realistically, it develops chemistry, right? And Adams can be that enforcer. He can be that physical force. He can be that guy on the floor that takes care of the rebounds and allows for Santi to be the best version of himself offensively, in particular, as a floor spacer. Obviously, Aldama, if... Clark is healthy later on in the season, and with Steven Adams, if he's healthy to start the season, minutes for Aldama will wane and linger. Uh, There won't be as much time. If you assume Clark and Adams are the two guys that get a majority of the minutes alongside Jared in the front court, maybe Santi still gets a few minutes here and there at Xavier Tillman. You know, one of the issues for Kenneth Lofton Jr. is how loaded the front court is. 
you have Jaron, Adams, Santi, and X. That's just without Clark in the mix. So you add Clark, that's five bigs that you could potentially argue in front of Kenneth Lofton Jr. Santi has the skill offensively. He can create off the dribble. He has a three-point shot. He has more of what the Grizzlies are looking for in terms of creativity and perimeter-based game to, again, spacing, spacing. Spacing's the key. Kenneth Lofton Jr. may be able to shoot those shots, but the strength of his game is still on the block, low post, isolation ball. That's not exactly what the Grizzlies are looking for. Santi can be more of that dynamic offensive threat if he doesn't have to worry about rebounding, if he doesn't have to focus on taking on the bigger matchup on the front court. If he defends another perimeter-based big, he might have a chance to be more successful. And obviously in practice, he will be working against Steven Adams, working against a big guy. Any experience he can have to try to get used to the physicality of that level of basketball would be valuable for Santi. And he obviously played some with Adams this past season, but the sample size wasn't large enough because of Steven Adams' injury. I would love to see Santi and Adams together more because I do believe with what Adams does as a screener, how he rebounds the basketball, it would negate a lot of the things that Santi is not as good at at this stage of his career. And it's good to see them developing a relationship. You, you always talk about the superstars, right? Desmond Bain signing the contract extension. Marcus Smart isn't quite a superstar, but the big trade to bring in Smart, that gets a lot of attention. If the Memphis Grizzlies truly want to contend for a championship, the way that they're going to get there is through the work of players like Steven Adams and Santi Aldama. Because in the playoffs, for those of you that watched it, and I know most of you, of course, if you're an everydayer, you watched it along with the Michael and I, we talked about how the Lakers' other guys, they simply outplayed the Grizzlies' other guys, right? Jaw could have been better. Desmond could have been better. Jaron could have been better. You could argue Kennard and Xavier Tillman were the best players for the Grizzlies in that Lakers series. But Anthony Davis was hit or miss. When Davis dominated, he dominated. When LeBron dominated, he dominated. But there were games that LeBron and AD struggled too. It was the Austin Reeves, the Rui Hachimuras. It was D'Angelo Russell. Those guys outperformed the Grizzlies' other guys. You have to assume the jaw is going to be there and compete and do well. Same thing with Dez, same thing with Jaron. How the Memphis Grizzlies' other guys compete. That has to be a continuing focus and storyline, not just of lockdown Grizzlies, but anybody that follows this team moving forward. Because that's going to be the way the Grizzlies win a playoff series. That's going to be the way that Memphis finds a way into the Western Conference Finals. If those guys can be the types of contributors that Reeves and Achimura, Russell and others, Vanderbilt to a lesser extent, were for Los Angeles, not just in the Grizzlies series, but throughout their playoff run. Steven Adams, very key cog of that. Santi Aldama, potentially a key piece to that puzzle as well. So see them developing chemistry, finding each other. That is good to see. And it's good to know that Santi will be participating in FIBA. And again, DeMichael and I will talk more about that on future episodes of Locked on Grizzlies. Thank you so much for checking us out wherever you're watching or listening to the show. However you get your podcasts over on YouTube, like, comment, rate, review, subscribe. We're proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, each and every day. And again, if you're an everyday or if you're here with us each and every Monday through Friday, listening and talking and chatting in the comments, following along with me, DeMichael and Locked On Grizzlies, it is much appreciated. We hope you continue to do so as July grinds forth. On our Wednesday edition of the show, it is going to be another finals 
Wednesday, right? Championship Wednesday, taking a closer look at how the Memphis Grizzlies can get to the NBA Finals. We talked pairings on Monday. I'm going to expand the lineup data data and really kind of take a dive into guys that are returning, who Marcus Smart played best with last season in Boston, figuring out ways that the Grizzlies can maximize not just size and length, but also that spacing, that valuable offensive commodity that will maximize what John Morant and others can do. What kind of lineups, theoretically speaking, should be or could be the most successful for Memphis in the season ahead? That'll be one of the main focuses of our Wednesday edition of the show. I hope you will join me for that. Again, to Michael, continuing his vacation. You wish him well. Hope he's getting a lot of rest. DeMichael will be back with us later on this week. Hopefully, you'll be back with me on our Wednesday edition of the show. Very excited for it here on Lockdown Grizzly. So until then, have a great rest of your day. Stay safe. Check out Locked On NBA and all the other great podcasts that are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen each and every day, your first view, free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thank you again. I'm Joe Molinax. Stay locked in until Wednesday. This is Locked On Grizzlies.